Episode 24, Finding Freedom. Introducing Bernard Maul on the BTS Creative Academy podcast with me, your host, Martin Colton. (laughs) Hello, Bernard. Hi, Martin. Hello, thank you for, for joining me on the podcast. My pleasure. Yeah, wonderful to have you here. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Uh, a guest with such uh, knowledge and wisdom in the creative <laughs> world, a lifetime of experience, shall we say? I don't know about wisdom. But, yeah. <laughs> we'll soon find out. Maybe some of the others, but yeah. <laughs> so how are you at the moment? Yeah, I'm okay, thank you. I've got a few health problems, but, you know, we get by. Yeah, I'm yeah. all right. I'm okay. But health-wise, you're doing okay? Yeah. Uh, when you say problems, I assume... They're they're not insurmountable. Mm-hmm. They're under control. Good, you know? good. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm doing all right. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. But de- so day to day. Yeah, yeah, fine. You do live as normal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, Bernard, take me. Uh, t- tell me about your something about your creative life. I know you as a, an actor uh-huh. and a director. Is that is that w- how you would see yourself as a creative? <laughs> yeah, essentially, I think so. Um, I do a bit of writing as well, um, but essentially acting and directing. The theatre is is my creative arena, really, mm-hmm. which is what I've been doing for a, a long time now. Yeah. How how many years? How much <laughs> of your life is that taking? Uh, I first went on stage long, long, long before you were born, nineteen sixty-seven. Mm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it's about getting. 55 years, something like that, and it getting on for 60 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Frightening, isn't it? So take, take me back to the, the beginning days oh of your... God. Of your would you, is it, was it a theatre life? Uh, well, the, the way I got started in theatre was... No, I was... Um, I left school at 16. I went to a grammar school where they, they did a lot of theatre, but um, I just didn't like the school. Mm-hmm. So I never got involved with theatre at, at that time. Um, it was a bit like Tom Brown's school days. It was a really nasty setup. The masters were brutal. <laughs> so I just rebelled against everything. Didn't do any theatre there. But when I left school and started work, um, I used to go down the pub with my mates on a Friday night. And on one occasion, one of the guys down there said that the Prentice players, who were a very active group in Harlow at the time, were looking for some people to for some minor parts in a production they were doing. So me and another guy went along, and uh, yeah, that was that was quite curious because they were doing a play called Lysistrata, which is a Greek comedy by Aristophanes. Um, and I went along with my friend. They were rehearsing at the, the old technical college in Harlow in those days. Um, and as we walked in, they were in the middle of rehearsal at the end of this big hall uh, with a wooden floor. We walked in to the sound of our footsteps and they all stopped and turned and looked at us. And my mate just said to them, oh no, that's right, the director said, can I help you? And my mate said, yes, he said, we want to be actors. Well, I just wanted the floor to open up and swallow me, you know. <laughs> but anyway, they gave us a couple of walk-on parts, which was great, and that's how it all started, really. So um, what, what was you doing there? What, what took you to, to go to, the, to be part of this? Well, I just I just fancied the idea. I'd done a bit of stuff at junior school. Mm. I went to Potter Street Junior School in Harlow, where the headmaster was Bob Jones. And Bob was a very um, well-known man in the arts in Harlow. Um, and I was to meet him later in life, actually. But he was my headmaster when I was, you know, 11. Um, and I'd done a little bit, a few bits and pieces in junior school. Um, but then, as I say, when I went to grammar school, lost interest. And then when the opportunity arose later on, I thought, yeah, let's let's get back into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what other memories do you have of that, that first production? Was it just predominantly <laughs> walking through the door? Or? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I played a, uh, a messenger. Basically, the story of Lysistrata is that the, the women... Um, uh, the, the, it's Spartan Wars. And the, the women go on strike. They withhold their sexual favours from the men... Um, uh, in order for them to, to make them stop fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all double entendres, and it was, it was quite near the knuckle, a lot of it. Um, and actually, my parents came to see the play. 
because they were quite pleased that their little boy was actually doing something productive, you know, mm -hmm. um, instead of being a yob and just boozing or what have you. And uh, my first line was, I came on as a Spartan herald, a messenger. And my first line, bearing in mind the men are all sexually frustrated and all that, my first line was, things are hard in Sparta. <laughs> well, <coughs> my parents never came to see me again no. on stage after that. So that was too much for them. I couldn't cope with that. No. I couldn't cope with that. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, my, that was my very first line. And it went on like that, really, all, all double meanings. And it was, but it was a funny play. It was okay. And so, so what made you continue to, to do this? Well, I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and there was a party after the play, and there was a guy at this party who I hadn't met, called me over, and he said, uh, I enjoyed what you did. He said, are you thinking of doing any more? I said, yeah, I quite, might quite like to. And unbeknown to me, he was at that time the leading man in Harlow, mm -hmm. uh, a guy called John Tipper. And he'd played Hamlet, he'd done all sorts of stuff. Terrific actor. And um, so he actually got me a part in the next play, which he was in. Mm -hmm. um, and he sort of mentored me uh, for, for some while. Um, and it just went on from there. And I think having somebody mentor you is quite important. Because I know you've experienced that. Yes, yeah. Uh, with... With Lawrence. Lawrence, that's yes, right, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's it's terrific when mm. somebody takes that much of an interest in you, sees something in you that they think can be developed. Yes, it's it's really really. Mm. It, it's, it's nice terrific. when it's nice. Sometimes you can find that in family, and you can find that yeah. in friends. But there's it, something different about it when someone comes into your life unexpected. Exactly, an outsider. An outsider, a complete outsider, yeah. and they give you a bit of guidance, and yeah. they and they show you a yeah a path exactly mm. yeah and that's what john did for me um without showing me how to do it mm -hmm. i just watched him and learned from him and he gave me a few tips and bits of advice and and uh, yeah he was terrific um yeah so it, it just went on from there really would you would you give any advice to someone seeking a mentor uh, i don't i don't know if you can actually seek how to mentor, I think it just probably just to happen. Mm -hmm. I think somebody has to see something in you. Well, that I suppose, you know, if, if, you, if you're an actor, for example, and you find yourself working with a really good director, um, you could say to them, look, you know, I, I really enjoyed working with you. Can you help me along in future? You mm. could do that, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Ask, ask for a bit of guidance. Ask yeah, yeah. For a bit of oh, sure, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any any shaming that is none there? whatsoever. No, because no. none of us know any, everything, do no, we? And no. uh, you know, that's a, a lot of what I'm trying to achieve here with the podcast is to to get some information and, and guidance from others. If right. if for myself, yeah, yeah, and for anyone watching and yeah. and listening, because yeah. um, to hear your story can be of a great could open up great paths for people couldn't it it's possible it's yeah. possible it, 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 yeah possible there's the potential <laughs> for that so um so what happened what happened next then did you cuz i as i understand it you were one of the founding members of Harlow Theatre Company yeah. the main amateur dramatics yeah. society in the town yeah 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 i worked for the prentice players uh, for a number of years did all sorts of parts with them um, and Bob Jones, who I mentioned earlier, who was my headmaster at Potter Street Junior School, was the leading light of the Prentice Players. He formed the Prentice Players, in fact. So I got to know Bob in a, in a different capacity <laughs> in the Prentice Players. But, uh, and this is in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, um, but the amateur companies in Harlow, there was the Netzel Players, Moot House Players, Prentice Players... Harlow Youth Theatre, I think, um, were all struggling, uh, mainly for directors. There weren't that many directors willing to take on a play. Because mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of work, as you know, it's a lot of responsibility. So we were struggling for directors. And it was suggested, I think, by Gordon Hewlett, who again was, was a big noise in the arts in the town, 
that we might look at merging the companies. Um, and Margaret Lambert, who I've worked with a, a, lot, of, a lot of years, a uh, very good actress and director, and again a leading light in The Apprentice Players, actually put an advert in the local paper inviting people to attend a meeting at the Harlow Playhouse, which previously we'd been working in schools and colleges and stuff, but now we had the Playhouse, um, to a meeting for anyone interested in forming a new theatre company. And when it came to it, we were just bowled over by the number of people that turned up. Mm -hmm. We had the meeting in the committee room at the Playhouse uh, one evening, and there was an overspill. We couldn't contain everybody in that in that large room. There were probably 80 to 100 people. Um, and we talked about the idea of forming a new company, uh, which we did. Uh, I was elected chairman um, and various other officers uh, came on board. And we started to develop a program of, of plays. Bob Jones, to his huge credit, disbanded the Prentice players and threw their lot in with the new company. Mm -hmm. Moot House decided not to. They had their own premises anyway at Moot Hall and still have. The natural players decided to carry on on their own. Uh, but we had a lot of new people come in and it was very, very exciting. Um, so, yeah, we, we started to get a program together, uh, did all sorts of things. We had to find a company name, first of all. There were all sorts of suggestions for that. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> uh, I made the decision, ultimately, that it would be called Harlow Theatre Company. Right, okay. Because I thought it needed to embrace the town. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it was, was it still considered a fairly new town? Well, Harlow had been established since the 50s okay. as, as a new town. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the new town, actually. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So, yeah, Harlow Theatre Company it was. Uh, and we really became almost like a repertory company. We were doing eight to ten productions a year, uh, mainly in the studio theatre in the Playhouse, but also on the main stage. Mm -hmm. um, I directed the first production. Um and actually appeared in it, played the lead. <laughs> um, it was rather egotistical of me, I suppose. Yeah, and um, that's, a, that's a hard thing to to find that balance of your your ego yeah. and trying to follow what, what craft that you do. Well, I chose the play. I directed it. I was in it. Um, <laughs> but the reason, I ch well, the reason I chose it was it, was it didn't require a huge set. It was a play called After the Rain by John Bowen. Didn't need a huge set. Um, but I suppose I was being a bit like the old actor managers of old, you know, the old Henry Irvings and the mm -hmm. beer bone trees, all these people who who did everything, you know. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I'm, I'm organising um, T-shirts, posters, the lot, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a lot of energy, but obviously a lot of ego too. Yeah. But we did it. We uh, did it. And I, I guess we... we the ego is not always a bad thing when it comes to driving your driving your craft yeah, I think forward. You, you need a certain amount of it, mm. I guess. Um, it's, it's balance, isn't it, really? Yeah, I yeah, guess. It's a I fine guess balance. The ego becomes a, a problem when it takes over. Exactly, mm. yeah, yeah. And I don't think I really allowed it to do that. Well, maybe I did, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So, so early days of Harlow Theatre Company. Yeah. Um, did you ever decide to branch out with your acting and directing outside of community theatre? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, no, not really. Uh, at that time I was married with a young family and I've spoken to other people about this. I spoke to John Tipper about it actually because John was a really, really good actor. Mm. And strangely enough, um, after all these years I, I met him about three or four years ago. Met him again after, you know, 40 years. Mm. And I said to him then, did you never consider going professional um, or trying to go professional? And John could have done. He was terrific. Um, and he said the same thing. No, he had a, 
wife and a small family at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but people he'd worked with um, had gone professional and, and done really well. Uh, what was the guy's name? It'll come to me, I can't remember. Had his own television series. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people have done very well in the profession through the, the amateur, I don't know the word amateur, but you know what I mean, mm-hmm. through the amateur ranks. Um, Joanna Bacon, for example. I worked with Joe loads of times, directed Joe, acted with her. She's incredibly successful now, doing really, really well, and has done for some years. So, yes, it, it, people can progress from local theatre to the professional world and, and do well. But it's a huge risk. And if you've got a young family, which I had at the time, it wasn't on really. And do you have to progress into the professional world? No. I mean, I, I've had huge satisfaction, huge pleasures uh, over the years doing local theatre. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've had the opportunity to play parts, to direct plays... Um, that I've ab- just absolutely loved. So, no, you don't have to. Tell me more about those pleasures and loves. Where does your mind go to <sighs> if you think about your time in theatre? Well, uh, I've been very fortunate to play a lot of interesting roles. Um, been very fortunate to work with some lovely people some really talented people. Um, And I've been fortunate to have a certain amount of choice in what I've been able to do um, in terms of directing and acting. So, huge amount of pleasure over the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. It's nice to to hear that you've you've had that. Has there been other areas in your life that you've, you you can compare that kind of, that them, the feelings to only in terms of having children mm-hmm. uh, which gave me great pleasure and still does um, creatively uh, as I say I still do a bit of writing uh, mainly for my own pleasure mm-hmm. um, but there's nothing really I can compare to life in the theatre that that to me I don't know what else I could have done in the last 55 odd years whatever it is as, as a fulfilling hobby mm-hmm. I don't know what else I could have done why do you think it gives you so much fulfilment I know I get a lot of fulfilment from it that's such a difficult question mm. it does it in lots of different ways one is working with other people and the friendships and the bonds that you form. Now, it may only be for a short period. It might be for a two or three month rehearsal period and a performance or whatever. You might drift apart and never see each other again. Others, you would form a permanent friendship, Mm. you know, like we have uh, and I have with so many others. And I'm sure you have too. I know you have. Um, so there's that to it. That That is fantastic. It's unique and special, isn't it? I think you know, so. And, uh, and I didn't even realise for a very long time that that was something that I enjoyed about doing this. Yeah. It, because it, it kind of goes unsaid. But when you're doing theatre and community theatre... You, you build a small family yeah. and you build connections that are separate to work, yeah, separate yeah. to family. Yeah. Yeah. New friendships that have a connection that's different yeah. to other, other yeah. connections. Yeah. And, and it's given me a great fulfilment in my life, yeah. that, that alone. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realise it for a long time. Because no. you you're, you're just in it. That's it. And you're yeah, in the yeah. process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's outside of the, the creativeness, isn't yeah, it? That's it is. outside of the... Of well, the, the thing is, you, when you're doing a, a, a play, you become de- you're all dependent on each other. Mm. So there has to be a lot of trust. And with trust, you, you form a friendship and a bond, as I said earlier. 
Hmm. Um, but you are so dependent on each other. Um, and and that's, that's a great thing, I think. Um, and you learn from each other. and uh, Yeah, and, and you can form really lifelong friendships, which I've done. Hmm. So that's very satisfying. But the other, the other thing I, I really, I actually enjoy the rehearsal process as much, if not more, than the actual performance. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy studying the text of a play, the script, developing a character, working with the other actors. Um, th- there's so much to, to do there. Um, and you also, you get so engrossed in it, as you know, that whatever other problems you've got going on outside mm-hmm. in the real world, for however long you're rehearsing, a rehearsal period, say, of two or three hours, whatever it might be, they're all forgotten. You can switch off from You can switch off from reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And I suppose that says something about us as actors, that do we need this, do we need to switch off from reality? I was the sort of people that somehow we're not quite coping with reality. We have to become other people Mm -hmm. to, to function. Yeah, but does anyone cope with reality? (laughs) You know, I think a lot of people struggle, don't they? They struggle to find peace within their own life. Yeah. But if you can find a thing that you enjoy and you can embrace and you can take a hold of acting in in that moment, yeah, the the problems in your life can be be just put to one side for, for two or three hours of an evening. Yeah. You don't have to constantly be fighting no, a battle, no, do you? No. But also, you might be kidding yourself, or I might be kidding myself, but during the course of doing a play and developing a character and becoming this other character, you're actually becoming somebody else. Mm-hmm. You, you're no longer yourself for however long you, you, you're doing it. Um, there's a thing in theatre known as second state, which is you become completely divorced from yourself during the performance mm-hmm. and that everything you're doing is that character none of yourself remains i've had that happen to me twice where i felt as though i'm actually flying and i've become this other other person i don't have to think about my lines i don't have to think about my moves or the other it's i am that person mm. a flow state it's called second state. It's called. It's actually called second, second state. state. Right. Okay. Because I would say I've experienced this a few times my, myself, but yeah. didn't realise it was a, a real thing. Oh yeah, yeah. It's mm. it's known as second state, where you go into another level, where yourself has gone, mm-hmm. and you are for the, however long it is, you are that other person, that other character, and it's a fantastic thing to experience. Yes. Yeah. And actually, I often long for that. Mm. Because I because do, you don't experience it with every play no. that you no in. no 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 every it's part rare. that you play it's rare yeah so and and I, and I've and in fact really thinking about this now I would go to a place of why aren't I back there yeah what have I done wrong to to achieve this yeah yeah it takes me back to one of my very early productions I think it was like the third or fourth production I did with a a youth theatre company. I was playing Renfield, a madman yeah, yeah. Dracula. Yeah. Um, we must talk about Dracula later on. Yes, of course, because because I directed you yeah, in yeah, Dracula yeah, when yeah, I brought you back. Yeah. But this was when I was in Dracula, yeah, yeah, yeah. playing this madman, and and I for it was a two hour play, and for that two hours I was this character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nothing else in my life. No. I could, was completely detached. There were no other thoughts running through my brain. That's it. Other than those of the character. Yeah. yeah. Um, I felt it within that. Have I, have I felt it again since? My mind doesn't jump somewhere instantly. Um, but I've definitely longed for it. I've definitely found myself in a place of, why aren't I achieving this again? Mm, mm. Am I do what am I doing wrong? Yeah. How how yeah. can I how can I how get can there? I reabsorb yeah, yeah. reabsorb that? It's an amazing experience mm. when it happens. It's rare. So um, what do you think kickstarts that? What do you think gets you to that place? I'm not sure. Is it an Martin, accident? Well, no, I, I'm really not sure. Because it's only happened to me a couple of times, it's such a rare thing. I don't know what triggered it. Mm-hmm. Um I really don't know. Uh, hard work is a lot to do with it. Hard work doing rehearsal, 
being confident with what you're doing, mm-hmm. be happy with the character you've developed, be happy that you're doing the playwright's intentions or, or what the playwright intended. Um, but I really don't know. Within this conversation, I think I've unlocked that it could potentially be from a place of trust that you find that you trust yourself. Yeah, yeah. You trust your environment. Yeah. You trust all the people around you. Yeah. And that, it, that's a huge factor. Mm. Must be. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And yeah. once you find that place of trust and you let go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's why the rehearsal space has to be... and everybody will tell you this, has to be a place where you can trust other people, where you can be fearless in trying stuff out, experimenting, without fear of people ridiculing you or or criticising you or whatever, but having the freedom to try stuff in rehearsal Mm -hmm. until you get what you want. And a lot of that is down to the director. And I've worked with some really good directors and some really dreadful directors over the years Um, uh, so you need that freedom to to try stuff in rehearsal Mm. and then you start to get the character and then it comes down to as you rightly say trust Mm. you've got to have that trust maybe there's an equation there sort of um, freedom plus yeah. Something else plus a, a secret ingredient. Yeah, yeah. Equals trust. Now yeah. the secret ingredient. Let's see if we can find that by the end of this. <laughs> or, or if not, <laughs> if it, me. you know that that is my hope to find out what the the secret, the ingredient, secret ingredient ingredient yeah. is. Okay. But freedom is definitely important to yeah, yeah. getting to a place of trust. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've come. Up, I've got two questions for you based upon what you just said there. Uh, first question: What makes a bad director? there's lots of different directors, bad directors. I've worked for directors that actually don't direct. That's the first thing. They just sit there and watch you. Don't give you any advice, any feedback, nothing. They've got you on board. They know you're an experienced actor. Let you do your own thing. Up to a point, that's fine. I don't mind that. Mm-hmm. But I need. I still need help. I still need to know whether what I'm doing is good or bad or whatever. So you've got directors who actually don't do anything. The converse of that is directors who do too much. Directors who, and this is the worst thing, and I've had it more than once. Uh, Not so long ago in a play, a director actually stood up and I don't want to identify this person. So I don't want to say he or she or <laughs> <They>. even. No, <laughs> no, no, no. No, um, they. Yeah. Oh, they, we'll, they, we'll, yeah. We'll yeah, to they, them they, yeah. Okay. They. they actually got up during a rehearsal in this very theatre, actually, and stood on the stage and showed me how they wanted me to walk. Mm-hmm. And they actually did the walk that they wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. Now, first of all, an actor cannot do exactly same as somebody else is showing them and b i have to find my own way mm-hmm. it, it's that might have been right for them but not not for me or for the character in my view and all the books will tell you and i've studied directing a lot of, well the, the worst thing you can do is to show an actor how it should be done it's it's the worst thing a director can do mm-hmm. so that's a bad director um, directors who only criticise, who don't come up with anything positive. Directors who let other actors tell other actors what to do. That's that has to stop. Yeah, that's a that's a dangerous place. That Absolutely. As a director, I try and take a a rain on that yeah yeah because it can become very messy exactly uh too many cooks yeah and also the person being told by the other by an actor mm-hmm. they're going to think oh i'm inferior to them mm. who are they just tell me you know and that, so that's that's a no-no um no, i'm making it sound as though i'm the authority on directing which i'm not no but, um, but 
but yeah, uh, mm-hmm. but there are some really good directors about as well. Yeah, which was my second question. Uh, yeah, yeah. What what makes a what makes a good director? Well, we could we come back to freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, director allows you the freedom to work things out for yourself. To me, a good director should always praise an actor, even if it's not quite what they're wanting, mm-hmm. um, because actors are, are very sensitive people. Uh, they're up there, you know, doing it in front of a, an audience. They've got to feel secure. Mm. So the more praise you can give an actor, genuine praise, the better. Um, and a director who actually has an objective, who knows an overall the overall picture they want to achieve or effect they want to achieve and makes the cast aware of that. So you're all working towards one sort of goal. Um, I mean, I could go on and on and on. It's very boring, but... (laughs) No, this is all a very valuable insight, I think. And like I was saying, this is part of the the point of the podcast, is is to hear this valuable insight into into the goods and bads um i don't know how valuable it is it's, it's my opinion <laughs> it's my view so yes. you know that's yeah. all no no i do think that, that we have value there um so let's go let's go back to your your journey through the through the theater world so you found a lot of fr- fulfillment in doing community theater and no need to branch out because you you was you was getting enough from that. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think it so. gave you enough fulfilment yeah, in your absolutely. life. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, give you an escapism. Yeah. From the normal everyday. Yep. What what kind of things was your you you obviously you said you had a young family had children. What did you do as a as a job? Poof. I was in sales all my working life really, um, and sales and sales management, um, and that that's quite a can be quite a high pressure. Mm-hmm. environment um, selling business to business never to private households or individuals always business to business and a lot of it was high pressure stuff you were working against targets all the time sometimes it was a fairly low basic salary you relying on commission although later on it was a much better setup where it was, the salary was was more important than the commission um, and for the most part I was I was very successful um, but it was a high-pressure job, mm-hmm. so I think the theatre escapism was was important. Do you think you could have done the high-pressure job without it? Not sure. Mm. Not sure. All I know is that the theatre would have been a great help to me in coping with the pressure. Whether I could have coped with the pressure without the theatre, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. But it was a help, yeah. So we were talking about good and bad directors. Are there any any plays that you go back to that you're like, that was a play, that was a moment in time? Oh, yeah. Is there anything that, that you go, that was a yeah, good one? Yeah, yeah, there's a few. Um, I played, I've talked to you about this before because we'll come on to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. In 1972, I played Guildenstern in Rosencrantz and Guildenstern Are Dead, yes. Tom Stoppard's famous play. Mm-hmm. It was the first amateur production in the newly opened Playhouse. And it's essentially a two-hander, three-hander. Um, so it was a massive role. And that, that, was, that was a challenge, that really was. Mm. Um, to, to be on the main stage in the Playhouse for the first time in this very large role um, was, was challenging and incredibly rewarding. That, that was great. Uh, we had good reviews. It went down really well. We sold to full houses. Um, so that was good. Uh, my other sort of watershed play, and this is where I experienced this second state thing, um, was as... Uh, Joe Keller in All My Sons um, which we did in the studio theatre in the Playhouse Margaret Lambert directed it and that was a very powerful powerful piece American play uh, by Arthur Miller Uh, and I love that play still to this day I'd love to 
directed actually. Uh, so that was that was good. Uh, I seem to play a lot of Americans actually. Um, oh, the other one was uh, <laughs> in Hamlet. I played Claudius. Yes, I remember studio that. Theater. Mm. Yeah, that was about ten years ago. Was yeah, it? at least ten, ten probably 10, more than that. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was memorable for a number of reasons. First of all, um, Patrick Walker directed it, and the first I knew about it was I got a phone call um, to say, "Would I?" From dear Rose Waper, who sadly died uh, shortly after the production, um, but she phoned me up and said. Patrick's asked me to phone you. Would you consider playing in Hamlet for him? I said, I didn't really know Patrick. I knew of him. Mm -hmm. He had quite a reputation. Um, he's interested in you playing Claudius, the evil king. I said, yeah, okay. So I went to an I, I went to the audition. He had a huge audition set up with sandwiches and God knows what. It was massive. Mm -hmm. And... Although he, I knew he wanted me to play it, he asked me to read a, a piece, a Shakespeare piece. Mm -hmm. And I decided to read an extract from Macbeth, not knowing that he'd recently played Macbeth himself. Anyway, I did that and that was okay. Then he got me to read a bit of Claudius' speech. Um, and then he cast me as Claudius. I didn't realise at the time that Claude, the part of Claudius was the second biggest part to Hamlet. Right, okay. Oh, God. <laughs> I soon realised it. <laughs> Excuse me. And, um, but it was really enjoyable, very enjoyable. Um, and I worked with Jim, Jim Thompson, mm -hmm. um, who played Laertes. And Jim will tell you that one of his all-time favourite scenes in all his time in, in community theatre, and that's a lot of years too, mm -hmm. was a scene Jim and I had together and it's one of my favourite scenes ever, mm -hmm. where we were plotting um, uh, how to how to kill uh, Hamlet, and it was a wonderful scene. The atmosphere, and Jim and I just you know sparked off each other, which was great. Um, and I had one really long speech, known as the the prayer speech, where I'm trying to seek forgiveness for um, for the murder uh, of the king. Uh, of my brother and it's a huge long speech and while I'm praying it's known as the prayer speech I'm on my knees praying Hamlet comes up behind me with a dagger mm -hmm. so he's going to kill me but he doesn't kill me because he fears if he kills me while I'm praying I'll go to heaven and that's the last thing he wants for me mm. but this long speech and it's it's a soliloquy monologue that lasts probably five minutes is a is a massive one i still know it to this day and i've used it strangely enough we we're talking about health earlier mm -hmm. i was diagnosed about 15 years ago with a blood cancer multiple myeloma an incurable blood cancer which is just kept under control but at that time i had a lot of mri scans so we put you through the tunnel and all that um and i used to recite this speech in my head Whilst in the... While in the tunnel. Wow. To give me an idea of how long mm -hmm. the whole process was taking. Mm -hmm. um, so that was that was quite useful. Um, can you can you remember any of it now? Oh, yeah. You can give me an excerpt <laughs> and put you on the spot. <laughs> you should do that to a performer, put them on the spot. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. You really want... <laughs> okay, all right. Is it coming to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's there. Oh, yeah. Oh. I don't know how far I'll get with it. But no, we'll... no, just a moment. <coughs> just okay. a moment or two. Okay. Oh, my offence is rank. It smells to heaven. That's how far I've got. Brother's going to go. That's gone. I do know. We'll come back to it later. Yeah, yeah. We'll come back to that because <laughs> no, I, I was putting you on the. I was. I was putting you on the spot there. Brother's murder. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll come back. Yeah, to yeah. That. Forget it. We'll revisit. Yeah. yeah okay. So, but that was very significant to you, and yeah. and that actually helps you through a difficult time. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. 
Oh, my fence is rank. It smells to heaven. A brother's murder. Pray can I... And there's one bit you have to do in one breath, a long speech. Pray can I... Uh, Pray can I not, though my inclination is shown. I forget. No, sorry. sorry. <laughs> when, you're, when you're on the spot, yeah, 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 it will yeah, never yeah, come yeah, to you. Yeah, so yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. was unfair. No, it did help me through. Um, mm. So it must have been more than 15 years ago that we did Hamlet. Mm. But, uh, yeah, Patrick was amazing, the director. Um, you'd be in rehearsal and, as you know, in rehearsal, you put the book down, you're struggling with the lines a bit. Patrick helped every actor with a prompt in rehearsal. Mm-hmm. If if they stumbled on a line, he knew that whole play, mm. every part, yeah, and he could prompt you without looking at a book. Mm. Incredible. Yeah, a couple of years back, by accident, I bumped into. Um, I was I was studying Hamlet at the time. After during lockdown, I was, it was a it was a personal project yeah, yeah. of mine to study Hamlet. I was going to direct it and be in it. Yeah, I was I was considering doing that. Um, but then I had this idea that I was going to put together a showreel of material. And within yeah. that showreel, I wanted a piece of Hamlet to be in there. And um, studying the to be or not to be section of the script, I'm around Jim Thompson's and we're in his kitchen. And Patrick Walker doesn't live in this part of the country anymore. No. He walked past the window. He 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 was visiting Harlow that day. How weird is that? And whilst me and Jim are there talking about Hamlet, Patrick walks past. How weird! At that moment, so of course we go out there and he say, called him in, called him in, say hello to him. Brilliant. He sits down and um, got this in this va- invaluable insight into Hamlet. Yeah, yeah. For for me, a couple of days before I'm about to yeah. shoot this show real soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was, you know, the way that the universe works That's sometimes weird. is weird. Yeah. Because if there was anyone that I needed advice for at that moment... He was your man. He was the person. Yeah. And he was there. That's weird. You know. That's a bit frightening. It is. <laughs> it is. Um, and, and one of the things that I was trying to do with that show reel that didn't go so well is that I was trying to self-direct. Mm-hmm. I was trying to self-direct my acting and that's yeah. something that I would stay clear of yeah, yeah. in the future yeah, because yeah. you can't take that that view, no. that outside no. objective view no. outside no. of yourself no. in the moment. That's right. Uh, when you're con- concentrating on delivering the lines in, yeah, in yeah. such way, if you miss a beat or you miss a move or a look yeah, or a feel, yeah. you can't see that. No, you need somebody to You need someone you outside. Yeah. So the showreel thing didn't go as well as I had hoped. Um, however, it was wonderful to have that yeah. that feedback from from Patrick. Amazing. Uh, yeah. And that insight. Amazing. Because he is someone that I think I think he was telling me at the time that he has about he has like ten or twelve different editions of the of the script. Yeah, yeah. And it's his, his, his yeah. He knows he knows, knows the inside out backwards. Mm. Can we have a quick break? Of course we can. Yeah, I think that's a good moment to to stop on. Um, We'll have a break and um, we'll come back for part two. Okay, that's brilliant. Thanks, Martin. Thank you, Bernard. Let's take a moment. Okay. So we were saying about... uh What were we talking about? We were talking about Hamlet. We got to to Hamlet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Patrick Walker. And Patrick Walker and uh, his incredible intensity into Hamlet. And his yeah, love for it, yeah, uh, which is something quite unique. And, it is. Mm. It was amazing. The fact he knew the whole play. Mm. Um, when he when he directed, he actually cut out. I mean, Hamlet's about four odd hours, you know. He cut it down to about three, I think. Right. He took out a lot of the political stuff, which was not crucial to to the basic plot. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a great job, yeah. And Rose Waper. Um, died not long after the production. Lovely, lovely lady. I worked with her lots of times. We often played husband and wife, actually. Uh, we played husband and wife in All My Sons. We played played it in uh, Hamlet. She played Gertrude. Um, we played husband and wife in another, um, another play, The Price, uh, by Arthur Miller. And it was very sad. She died... As I say, a few months after the uh, 
as the production. But yeah, lost a lot of friends over the years. But mm. that's the other drawback, I suppose. There we are. I guess I guess that's the, one of the things of having a, a fulfilling and long life. And yeah, you've you've been part of such a big community over the years that yeah. of course people are going to pass yeah. on and yeah, yeah. be missed. And yeah, for sure. For sure. But the other, you're talking about parts I've enjoyed playing. The other the other show I enjoyed immensely, absolutely immensely. Well, two shows actually. I'll do them in order. The first was your production of Dracula, mm-hmm. which I thought was terrific. Um, the whole staging of it, the whole uh, feel of it, the whole atmosphere was, was just incredible. Mm. And playing Van Helsing, uh, that was really enjoyable. Um, with uh, Steve as, as Dracula and uh, the rest of the cast and, and your direction, your, your, your concept, you know, that was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that was a really, really enjoyable production. The other one I really enjoyed for a totally different reason. And again, you directed, and that was Snow White. Right, okay. And the reason I enjoyed that, Mm -hmm. I only had a sort of walk on, really, just playing the king. and That was fun. It was fun. Mm -hmm. But it was when we did the extra performance for the Down Syndrome. When we did the the charity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was one of the best experiences I've had in the theatre. I agree, same same for me. With those children mm-hmm. and sitting with them, like they're meeting the cast afterwards and the love that they showed and the affection, it was so moving and it just made it so worthwhile. Mm-hmm. So that that was another really, really enjoyable yeah. experience. One, yeah, of, and one of the best. And that's something that I try to do with all of my productions now. Uh, that night happened by on that Snow White it happened by accident. Yeah, it happened. Well, I'd say by accident, someone reached out to to me saying, "Can you help out this charity?" Yeah, um, they've lost tickets to another pantomime yeah. elsewhere. Yeah, um, because of an admin error. Yeah, um, so we've got all we've got thirty, forty children that uh, were expecting to sh- see a show tonight, yeah. and they can't. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I explained that to the cast and the crew. Do we? Could we do an extra night for yeah. these children? Yeah. Um, all with different disabilities. Um, and they, like I say, they were a charity. Um, and, we, and we did it. Mm. We all cancelled our plans over mm. Christmas mm. and we all got together as a, as a team mm. and we put on this yeah. e- extra performance. It and was, the, the reward from it was so that fulfilling. Was, mm. It was wonderful. It, re- it made Christmas extra special yeah, that, absolutely. that year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like I say, it's something I'll always strive to do from now on is to make sure that I'm giving giving back in some way outside of the art, outside of whatever it is that I'm trying to create, yeah. that I will always try to bring others in yeah. um, that might not necessarily get the chance to to experience yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so now I do. I, I often reach out to charities that come from poorer backgrounds, where the where the children wouldn't go to the theatre, no. um, and I try and offer them free tickets to come. And yeah. and yeah, and it's a it is very fulfilling. Yeah. The giving yeah. is very. Was, fulfilling. That, that was a great great mm. time for me. That was lovely. Really, really was. Mm. And it's wonderful how, how how fulfilling it is for the not just the people in the audience, but for the cast and the Absolutely. crew. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Going back to Dracula, you you can do some talking now. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> tell people what happened after Dracula. What happened after Dracula? Yeah, with the request that you had from somebody. No, I don't know. Yes, you do. Do I? Yeah. Okay, so where's my mind going to happen? Things that happened around. Think of Hatfield Forest. Ah, Hatfield Forest. Yeah, someone came along for that that run Hatfield Hatfield Forest, and they wanted a kind of a a fright night, didn't they? Um, Which I got you to be the. the Why why did they want it? Why, Why did they want that? No, go on. My mind is gone. Some guy had advertised to show a film mm-hmm. in Hatfield Forest. Yes. Of 
the woman in black. The woman in yeah, black. Yeah, it's coming back now. Right. Yeah. He had misjudged the timing because the clocks had changed <laughs> and it wouldn't be dark enough. I think he'd, he'd advertised the show to start at eight o'clock or something. But it would or have, half past seven. But with an outside cinema, you had to wait till nine, half nine. Exactly. Yes. So he needed a filler mm -hmm. before he showed the film. Yes. So you and I were the filler. Yes. Well, you were the filler. <laughs> <laughs> I'd organised you to be the this a one man storyteller, a one man oh, play, a God. one man storyteller <laughs> in the middle of Hatfield Forest. Yeah. Yes, yeah. God. That was a that was a that was a unique experience in itself. It was, yeah. Oof. Someone coming to you, going, "Help me fill up an hour and a half." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, here's a very small budget. And yeah. what what can you do? It was a it was a unique experience for mm. me. Uh, we got me togged up in some weird clothing, we did, didn't we? we the yeah. hat and God knows what. Yes, yeah. And I think I got about three or four short short horror stories mm -hmm. to read. And as I'm the sort of checking sound levels and all that because I think I had a microphone. Yes. Um, yeah, because there was a big audience for this well, film. Well, it started it? filling up. Yeah. And eventually we probably had 300 people there yes, in yeah. the open air. I'm thinking, what's all this about? But we got away with it. We did. We got away with it. And it's my boast today that there was a poster done, obviously, at short notice. Mm. And my boast today is that I share a billing with... <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe. Yes. Yeah, because it's me as a storyteller <laughs> and Daniel Radcliffe on the same poster. <laughs> yeah. But that was good fun. Yeah. That came out of Dracula. That did, didn't it? Because he'd seen Dracula. He'd seen Dracula and wanted to... He said, could you do Dracula for us? Mm. Or extracts and Dracula. Mm. But that obviously wasn't practical because you couldn't no. get the people together. Yeah, but so we could get you and we could get yeah. you some short stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that was um, good fun. Yeah, there's something about, you know, take taking an opportunity... Yeah. And, and running with it. Well, it was a new experience for me, which is why I did it, really. I thought, playing to that number of people in the open air, mm. that, that's that's a new challenge. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was good fun. It was good fun. Good. So, yeah. And then I gave you a challenge at my wedding as well, didn't I? I gave you the challenge yeah, of, that of was, reading at my wedding. That was an honour. Mm. Um, I remember vividly, because will there be any children watching this podcast? I don't know. <laughs> so I want to talk about Father Christmas. And that's okay. We've had others talk about Father Christmas, so we'll put a we'll put a spoiler warning out there that okay. we're, we're going to have talk about adult subjects. Now. Okay. So um, if you're below the age of twelve, um, this might be a, a moment to pause and uh, skip ahead, maybe. <laughs> okay. But I, I think this is more of an adult conversation, yeah, isn't no, it, in I'm general? So, yeah. is, uh, there aren't going to be many youngsters no, be interested no, in what we're talking no. about. Um, <laughs> I don't think they'll tune in in the first place. There may not be many adults interested yes, in what we're exactly. talking about. So, um, but no, I remember it was when we'd, we'd been doing Father Christmas. Yes. Uh, um, and I think we shared the car. Mm -hmm. On one occasion, going there. Yeah, well, they used to. I think that was the the golden years of doing Father Christmas because yeah. I did it for about ten years. Yeah, playing Father Christmas at this activity farm. Yeah, yeah. But I always see the golden years of of this moment where there was me, you, Jim, Jim Thompson, Ian Greenwood, yeah, Jason Thorpe, yeah, Danny was Danny Gleason. Yeah, Danny Gleason came a little bit later. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, but there yeah. was this little moment in the beginning where there yeah. was like the five of us. Yeah, it was good. And it was a, uh, you know, we'd all drive in together, yeah, that's car it. share. Yeah, it was good. It was um, good. We all, it was a little team moment yeah. where we all had each other's back. Yeah, and, and we'd, we'd have a coffee and stuff on the way we'd in. We'd go drop into Starbucks. Yeah, and it, it was, was a, good. It was an event in itself, it was, wasn't it? it the was. journeys in and out. Yeah. And playing Father Chris was good fun. But no, the reason I mention it is it's, um, we'd come back from doing Father Christmas, mm -hmm. and I think I was driving on that occasion, dropped you off at your house, and you said to me, can you come in for a minute? There's something I want to talk to you about. Mm -hmm. Well, I've got to get home, Mark. No, can I come again? <laughs> and I went in, that's when you asked me if I'd say, do a poem, I think it was, at your, at your wedding. Yes, yeah. I remember being very moved, mm. very honoured. Yeah, no, yeah. that was a special, a special moment. It uh, was, it was. But the Father Christmas, that was great fun. Mm. Used to love that. Um, I mean, the kids were lovely, you know, for the most part. 
Yeah, there was a couple that oh. would be little shits. <laughs> there was the parents that were the yes. paid, really. Yeah. You know, you'd ask a kid a question, the parents would leap in and answer. Mm. You know, have you been a good boy? Yes, he's been a very good boy. I'm not talking <laughs> to you, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had lots of laughs with that. There was one, I remember a couple of, um, there was one little boy, used to do this thing where, say to the child, uh, little boy or girl, you know, have you been a good good boy this, this yeah, you, do you put all your toys away when you finish playing with them? Do you help mummy and daddy? And I, and I always used to say, and do you brush your teeth before you go to bed? So I'm doing this little boy, and I said, do you put your toys on? Do you brush your teeth before you go to bed? This little boy piped up and he said, yes, and I wash my willy. <laughs> and I was, we all just collapsed. I mean, the parents, like, it was fantastic. Really, really good. Yeah. And there was another boy. It was a bit strange because sometimes at a certain age, you weren't sure whether they really still believed or whether mm. they were just going through the motions. Yeah. And this boy, he must have been about, I don't know, 11 maybe. And I said, well, what would you like for Christmas? And with a straight face, he said, world domination. <laughs> I said, ah, well, would you like a football first? Because that, that, you know, come a bit later. <laughs> <laughs> but that was great fun. But there is it, something, there's a, there's, a, there's a skill in playing Father Christmas, isn't there? Oh, there's God, a, yeah. You know, having to take those moments that the children throw at you mm. and not break the character. Yeah, yeah. Not break the magic. Because yeah. there's definitely yeah. magic yeah, in yeah, that room. Yeah, yeah, It's hard work. Um, it is exhausting, isn't yeah. it? You would, You're you acting... Would, all that time. Yeah. Chairs very similar to this. Yes. You'd sit in there. Yeah. And you'd have five minutes with a child and their family. Yeah. And you'd have to be on for that five yeah, minutes. Yeah, you'd yeah. have to perform. Yeah. And, and when you were busy, there was no break. No. One after no. another. And every five minutes would be different <coughs> as well. You might have a routine. Sure. You might have standard questions that you ask. Yeah. But, but the responses from those children would always be different. Sure. Yeah. And your responses to them would yeah. always. And then you get a group of maybe a dozen kids mm. from a school party or whatever. Yes. And you got to cope with that. And yeah. But it's Entertaining from within the within the confines of a chair. Yeah. And the beard yeah, yeah, and yeah. the wig and, and the, the stuff. Clothes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was a good experience. It, it was, was good. And very a very valuable experience I found to me as an actor for improvisation. Yeah. Yeah, having to tune the brain into a place of thinking on your toes. Yeah. And, you know, you're being thrown into the deep end. Sure, that, yeah. In that environment. Lots of different situations. Mm. Yeah. So I would always, I would always recommend it as something to do for an actor. Absolutely. Even if you do it for one year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. People have often said to me, you know, um, what, what do you recommend? I should, and I think I'd, I've got an idea. I'm, I'm, oh, sorry about that. Sorry, in the mic. I'm trying to been trying to think, Martin. Ever since you asked me about doing this, when I first met you, when I first saw you on stage, I, I, I've got an idea. The first time I saw you on stage was, oh, what was the play called? It was in the Studio Theatre. I think Lawrence had directed it. You and Kate Milner. Electra. Electra. Mm. How long ago would that have been? Uh, I, that was either 2007 or 2008. That recent? Oh, I knew you before that. 2000, 2007 was quite a while ago. I suppose it is. Yeah, that was, so four, that was 14 years ago. I've known you longer than that, though. I don't know. Anyway, I've been trying to think about that. Mm. Because... I seem to remember, and I'm not, not sure if it was you or somebody else, <laughs> very arrogant of me, but giving some advice. Mm -hmm. When somebody asked me about, you know, what they should do in local theatre and so on, and I said to them, when you start out, do as much as you can. Doesn't matter size of the part, just do anything, just to get the experience. Once you've got into that, then pick and choose your director. Do you remember me saying that to you? Yes, I do actually, the pick and choose the director, yeah. yeah. I do remember that. Pick and choose the director. Mm. Only work for people you believe are good directors. But to start with, just do anything. Mm -hmm. But then when you're into it, yeah, I thought I might have been to you. Yeah, because then there's, there's power in that as well, isn't there? There's power in having the experience to be able to have confidence in yourself to, to take a seat back. Yeah, yeah. And to be able to say, 
this project isn't for me. Yeah, yeah. This isn't worth yeah. my time and energy. Yeah, yeah. Or, or this is worth yeah, my time or and energy. Or I, I just don't like that part. Mm-hmm. I don't fancy that part. It's, yeah. It's boring or it's... Yeah. Uh, or I've or the, or that director or so you know I've yeah. I've I've not gone near certain productions because I thought that director's not really for me. Mm. Yeah, yeah, the way they work is not. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to be doing that for the next yeah. two to three yeah. months. With and it's person. nice to be able to be in the position where you can pick and choose a bit. Um, I remember uh, Doris Palmer was was she was in a way she was a good director. Do you, do you remember Doris? I don't know. Okay. She she formed her own. Co- she was an ex-professional actress. Formed her own company um, called Center Stage Productions. I've heard of Center Stage yeah, Productions. Yeah, I did so. quite a lot of work for them when I left Hollow Theatre Company. And um, she had this really clever way of getting good people. She wasn't a great director. Mm-hmm. She chose some good plays, but always got good people. So her productions were usually pretty good. Um, but she used to do this thing where she would phone me up and say, "Oh, Bernard, um, uh, would you would you play so and so for me in such and such a play?" Um, I said, "Well, when is it? Let let me read it, Doris. You know, see when." I said, "Okay, well." Uh, so I'd read it and didn't fancy it much, and then she'd phone back about six weeks later mm-hmm. and say, "Oh, uh, first rehearsal uh, next week. Uh, you will be there, won't you?" I said. I said, no, no. I said, I'd do it. So she can't let us down now. Mm. And she coerced you into doing stuff. That's how clever she was. Um, so you weren't able to say no to Doris for some reason. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's good that, that if you can get into a position where you, where you can pick and choose a bit. Um, and I remember saying to you not that long ago... Um, I see a lot of me in you, mm-hmm. actually, um, when I was sort of your age. Uh, I wasn't directing as much, I don't think, but in terms of acting ability, in terms of um, what I was doing at that time, I see lots of similarities mm-hmm. between us when I was your age. You know, good-looking... <laughs> <laughs> uh, virile, uh, good act, great actor, yeah, uh, and all that. No, seriously, I do see similarities. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, keep going, my man, keep going. And uh, so, so you see some similarities there. So, what advice you gave me? Some advice early on in my acting career of the picking and choosing. What advice would you give to me going forward? I wouldn't give you any advice now. No, no. No, it'd be totally presumptuous of me. I'm, I'm even in a position of we're sitting here. I'm yeah, asking for no, it. I'm no, no, to you. no, no. Listen, if you're involved in in community theatre and others and more professional work, I know you do as well. Mm-hmm. You're and you're at an age where you're, you're going like that, right? I'm at an age where I'm that because <laughs> I haven't done any acting now for not serious acting. Mm-hmm. Did a couple of little bits, but for about five years. I've directed, um, so no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't deign to give you advice now. Wouldn't do it, mate. Wouldn't do it. What advice would you give to yourself, looking back at this point? And if you could go back to that that midpoint of your acting career, there are some regrets. There's stuff I would like to have done, parts I would like to have played that I never did. Um, but no, I wouldn't really change anything. I'm not sure I could have changed anything, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. No, I've enjoyed the ride. So no, I wouldn't give myself any, any advice. Anyway, if I gave myself advice going back, you might take that as advice for you. <laughs> and I'm not going to give you advice, Martin. <laughs> you can't get around me like that. Trick question. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, suddenly sussed that. Yeah. So, um, what's 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 the uh, what's in the future for you at the moment, then, Bernard? Uh, I've I've been doing work with uh, Heath Players at Hatfield Heath, which are a really nice little company, mm-hmm. really nice little company, 
and the probability is I shall direct something for them in the near future. Mm -hmm. um, I just finished last year directing a play uh, for Loughton. Loughton invited me to direct a play for them, which I did, which was successful. Um, leading lady there uh, won an award for her performance. Um, and if somebody asks me to do a little bit on stage, I, I can still learn the lines, I can, even though I can't remember that blooming... Claudia's speech. Um, <laughs> I can still learn the lines, uh, and I'd still do a bit of acting if anybody asked me to. Um, but directing for the most part, yeah. And at Hatfield Heath, it's a nice little setup, uh, lovely people, um, and I directed a play for them uh, about four years ago, which was very successful. Uh, we took it to Hartford uh, for the festival there. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it, it'll be directing rather than acting. But if anybody asks me to do a bit, I'll do a bit. So you're open to... Open to suggestions. Open to suggestions. <laughs> Still enjoying the journey and yeah, follow, yeah, yeah. following the path. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate you sitting down with me today bernard well i've enjoyed it. this this uh, moment to, to have a have a conversation and discover me. some discover some moments through your your creative life it's is, uh, just me blathering on really <laughs> hope it's not too boring for people no it's really it's really interesting to 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 hear where you where you've come from and um yeah and uh and i know you've been resilient to the advice but uh, i do think there were some words of wisdom and value in there somewhere well, that's very kind of you <laughs> we uh, shall go back and review nice. yeah okay <laughs> i appreciate your time today bernard and you. unless there was anything you'd like uh, to to any notes you'd like to leave <laughs> <it on? laughs> no i enjoyed it martin thank you very much it's thank been really really enjoyable thanks again thanks bernard. a lot thank you cheers that was the bts creative academy podcast uncut I appreciate you joining us for this conversation. If you'd like to drop into more conversations, just search the BTS Creative Academy podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And to make sure you don't miss any future episodes, don't forget to like. <laughs>